Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. At this point, I invite you to take out your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. Uh, We're going to be looking at Psalm 119, starting in verse 105, so we're not going to be reading the whole thing. Uh, We're also going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, reading verses 14 through 17. Uh, We're continuing in our series uh, called and calling, where we're looking at what does it mean to be a people who have been called by God? Uh, How does that enter into each space of our life? And today we're going to be looking at it through two of these different images that are found in our passages this morning. Uh, Before reading, uh, let's uh, come before God in prayer. Lord God, may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. From 2 Timothy chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are my joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so uh, one thing you might know about me is that I am not a big fan of the dark. Uh, this is something that comes out or is proved to be true whenever I go camping. Uh, there's those times where you have to go to the washroom, you need to brush your teeth at night, and these open kind of green pathways that were so inviting before, get a little bit more looming. Uh, We didn't see any wildlife maybe throughout the day, but you're just sure that there's wild creatures kind of lurking in the dark there. Uh, But thankfully, if you've gone camping, you probably have a flashlight, something to guide your way, something to make sure that your steps are going to be safe. Now, there's also those times, though, where it's completely overcast, where there's no moon, no stars there, and when you turn off your flashlights, 
you just get a few moments of, of pitch black darkness. In those times, you kind of have to slow down. Maybe you're taking like these bigger, kind of more awkward steps, so you're not stepping into anything or tripping on something. Every noise sort of gets amplified a little bit. It's in this kind of pitch blackness that we're reminded that we're um, invited to remember this need that we have for light to guide the way. Now, this is the image that the psalmist gives for what God's Word is. I'm sure it's there. It is a light for our path. It's not just like a street light when it says lamp. It's not this fixed lamp that we have that we walk around, but it's something that we hold with us, that guides us, that lights kind of before our feet as we go. Uh, this image here is one that comes from a, a book called At Psalm School. It's one that you might be familiar with uh, if you've seen some of the baptisms here. We often give this as a gift for um, the families. And within these, they have this emphasis that the psalms are there for teaching us how to pray. And, and here, they have an image that the psalms help us to, to choose God's path. The, the language or the first passage here is from Psalm 119, where it says, your word is like a lamp that shows me the way. Now, I invite you to just take a look at this picture for a moment. Just observe to yourself, what sorts of things do you see in it? We can see people of different ages. So this God's word is something that is for old and young alike. It can be speaking to us. Maybe we can see that the darkness of the trees around kind of have that image of walking in that darkness, and needing that light. We can see what the source of the light is. They're holding these books here. And that it doesn't only light up the space around them, but it also lights the path. It lights them for the way ahead. Uh, what it's doing here is trying to visually give us reminders of the promises that are in God's word here. Notice, too, where the eyes are looking here. For anybody that's tried texting while walking, you, you might think that maybe there's a bit of a mistake here. Uh, with their eyes glued to the pages, they're bound to trip. However, the, the artist is choosing to make a point here. With their eyes fixed on the pages, it is actually through the words that they're able to see the world around them properly. The Bible's not this direct equation. It's not this flashlight that we use that we hold around kind of at a distance, and because we have it with us, we can see things properly. We actually have to have it open. We have to be reading. We have to know what is contained within it. It enables us to follow the path. It enables us to take the next step when we look at its words and what it has to say to us. Now, as people who live into where God is calling us, we're focused on that language again of God's calling, we need God's word to light the path. We need God's word in taking the steps forward. Now, re remember that idea of being in the pitch black. 
you kind of have those moments where you're, you're having to reach around a little bit, you're taking these bigger steps, maybe going a little bit more slowly. I think in life, we have moments that are a little bit like that. We, we know what it's like to be reaching around, to be uncertain of what is coming next for us. Maybe we know what it's like to try to take things in our own resolve and our own strength, where we thought we could be all right just by kind of going along, but then we come to a space where we just don't know where we should be putting our next step. There may be certain times that actually amplify this feeling of darkness for us. Maybe it's the return of an illness, maybe it's a change in careers, maybe it's distance from people that we were once close to. We can be caught in times of darkness, times where we need light and guidance. We can have these times that amplify what we know throughout the rest of our lives, that we need an extra light. We need something to guide us, to guide our way. We need to have the Word to light our path. If, if we are people who are asking, what, what does it mean to be called? Uh, what is my calling in life? We need to be able to come before God's Word, to see how it is a light for our path. But, but looking at this image here, we might kind of ask ourselves, what what is it about God's Word that actually kind of gives it this place? What, what's kind of special in God's Word that makes it a light? And this is where I find Paul's language to be really helpful. Uh, in the passage that we read in, in 2 Timothy 3, in verse 16, he, he develops a bit of a new word. He kind of smashes two words together. He takes the word for God and breath and just mixes them in and uses that to describe Scripture. Uh, scripture is God breath. It's God breathed. And I want to just sit with that image for a little bit because I think that helps us in understanding that this is something that comes from God in a special way. You know what? Let's, let's actually try something a little different here. Um, and we're going to do a bit of a breathing exercise I think this will actually help us in remembering what is in this book. It will help us remember this image that Paul is giving and kind of give us an embodied way of remembering it. So, just take a moment and focus on your breathing. Now, you're encouraged to open up your chest. Just allow from where you're sitting, uh, straighten your spine maybe, have your shoulders back a little bit. Gently, we don't have to force it. Imagine that you're breathing directly into your chest. With each breath, become aware of that space that you create inside of yourself. Notice your chest and your stomach expand as you breathe in. You can see them expand like a balloon stretching out in the space in front of you. Now, if you're able, pay attention how you breathe in. It also expands to your sides. And as you're noticing this, 
You might also notice how it's pushing on your back as well. Notice it kind of pushing out in all four directions, how the, the air coming within is kind of swirling around within you. Pay attention, too, to the quality of the fullness inside, how the air actually fills you up. You might encounter this fullness even more if you just hold on to your breath for an extra second, like, like pinching the mouth of a balloon before slowly allowing it to release. Hold, hold that image in your mind as you just take a few breaths. Now, now paying attention to our breaths like that can actually have a centering quality to it. It's actually considered to be a self-care practice. We, we were uh, doing a series a bit uh, maybe last year, and we looked at sanctuary mental health ministries, and this was actually part of a podcast that was um, introducing this as a good self-care practice for us to be able to recenter ourselves. Sometimes we get stuck in our heads only dwelling on particular emotions or we have something in our own ideas that just kind of work in a cycle. And breathing can help slow us down and it can help ground us. Breathing helps to refresh us. When we focus on our breathing, we can be made aware of the quality of air, how good it feels in our lungs. And there's this natural connection between breathing and life itself. And this connection between breathing and life is actually something that would have been quite common in the ancient world as well. This isn't just something new that we've come up with. This focus would have been familiar to the ancient mind that this connection between breathing and life itself is there. There would be this connection that when we breathe, we take this air into the space where nobody sees to deep within us, and then we bring it out to the world around us. And we can keep this in mind when we see in our scripture that it, Paul gives this image that scripture is God-breathed. In doing so, he's giving us this mental image of scripture having this imprint of something of God's being in it. We can imagine the, the air swirling around God's lungs, the deepest part of God, and then being released onto the scrolls and the pages that we find in Scripture, that, that Scripture contains something of God's truth in it. It's, kind of, it's speaking of the, the origin. Where does Scripture come from? There's, there's this natural connection, too, between breath and wind and the Holy Spirit. Paul's language here of something being God-breathed invites us to picture of the, the Holy Spirit as the source of the truth that we find in Scripture. The goodness of God that's found in the pages. This, this view of the Holy Spirit is something that we can find in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. It's where the writer um, quotes something here. Uh, he's quoting Psalm 95, but when he introduces that quote, he doesn't say, like, as David says or as the psalmist says, but he actually writes, as the Holy Spirit says. So, so looking back into the Old Testament, looking back at scriptures, the writer of Hebrews is able to just say, 
that the author here is the Holy Spirit in some way. As Paul writes, all Scripture is God-breathed. There's that reminder that this is something that we take into our understanding of all of Scripture. The Psalms, the prophets, the writings. All of these have the movement of the Holy Spirit. It carries something of the imprint of God's goodness, God's truth, and God's beauty. Now, because of this, we can say that it is useful, that that Scripture has this use. It's this light for the way that we go. It is useful in teaching us how we are to live. Its uses vary, and it's not a comprehensive list here, but Paul lists a few things, that it's useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness. It, it lights the way for how we are to live. Now, the fact that we have this light for our path doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy. In fact, the types of words that Paul uses to describe here uh, indicate that it's going to be a little bit challenging. Um, these words that we come across, God's Word, actually has something that may challenge us. You might see that we are acting in selfishness, that's riding behind some of our actions, or perhaps a, there's something that actually needs to be rebuked in what we're doing, places that we get it wrong. And Paul finishes here with that idea that Scripture is training us towards righteousness. Again, we have the sense in which, because it is God-breathed, it can light the way towards how we act. Now, think back to how there's this kind of centering act in just breathing. How we can be decentered by culture, we can be decentered by ourselves and our own desires, that God breathes scripture, recenters us, it corrects us, it brings us into a way of seeing God and the world and ourselves in a way that actually reorients us. And notice here in our passage that right before it makes a statement about who this God-breathed Scripture introduces us to. He says that from infancy, Timothy has made, been made known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make him wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, we, we turn to Scriptures not because that they have any saving power on their own, the scriptures are not the end goal when we open up the pages. Sometimes we might get uh, falling into the trap and just thinking that, well, if we open it, if we read the words, then, then we're doing fine. But that's not what it's for. Scripture points us directly towards our relationship with God. Ultimately, there's this pointing towards who God has revealed himself in Christ. God's way of communicating himself, of teaching us who Jesus is, is in Scripture. And that includes all of Scripture, this, this whole thing. We have the, the Old Testament and its preparation. It's preparing the people for God with us. It's, it's illuminating 
what the character of God is and what it means to be a people that live in faithfulness and righteousness that belong to God. And then we get to the Gospels and it introduces us to the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. He introduces us to our, his teachings, his compassion, his healings, his passion, his suffering on our behalf, his rising to new life. And the rest of the New Testament is, is filled with all these just different examples of how we are to live in light of that. So we're invited to approach all of Scripture here with an openness, too, of how it can speak to you through the Holy Spirit. Now, lastly, I, I want to also have a word on why Scripture as God breathed equips us into calling. And, and that's because whenever in Scripture we see that something is God breathed, it's also something that's alive. When, when God breathes in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, into the lump of clay, it becomes living humanity. And there's other examples throughout Scripture of God breathing and the thing becoming alive. So that here before us, we have something that is meant to be a living guide for a living people. Now, perhaps a helpful analogy, just to help us remember this, is from a wildlife painter who is renowned for his lifelike images. Um, I couldn't find the actual paintings, so I just, this is something to help you remember. Um, he was actually particularly famous for his birds. Um, there's a few there. People would, would buy his paintings, particularly bird watchers, because of just how closely they resembled it, how deeply detailed they were. Now, I guess one difference between, or I guess one thing that actually is in common between me and the author of the, the paintings, the painter, is that neither of us used live birds as our cues. If you believe it or not, I drew these from memory. Um, but... The other person, what came as a shock to a lot of people was that the painter also never worked with live birds. Each bird was killed and stuffed and then he would paint it then in any of the positions that he wanted. He had gotten so absorbed in depicting something and being able to show all the details within it that he forgot that the fact was the beauty that was in there was actually that it was supposed to depict something that is living. Now, the analogy for Scripture, how we understand Scripture, can actually be much the same here. When we're looking at Scripture, we can kind of tend to get stuck in the details, thinking that if we just look hard enough and long enough and we can just make sense of it, that if we can take our little tools to dissect it, it can give us the impression of something that is alive. But sometimes these things actually bar us from encountering the Word itself, that it can actually prevent us from seeing that the Word is something alive, that it's directing us into a relationship. We, we can make that same mistake of the painter who found something that, that's living just a little bit too challenging, is too dynamic, too hard to work with. 
He preferred to work with something that wasn't alive because it was safer. It was more predictable. Once the bird was stuffed, his, his job actually transformed. He was now trying to appear to make something fe- uh, look alive. And we can get caught into that same trap, thinking that we need to do that to the Bible. We just need to find the right, the right Bible study that just makes the Bible interesting and relevant again. We can make the mistake in thinking that our job is to take something dead and make it seem alive. But that's not our goal. Instead, it is to actually open ourselves to the mystery and the beauty of God revealing himself to us. That we are to be a people who open ourselves to something that is alive and equips us in such a way that all of God's people may be thoroughly equipped to every good work. So in opening ourselves to this God-breathed, alive word, we open ourselves to an encounter to God through the Holy Spirit who is forming us. Now there's a simple application then for all of these things. We are to first be a people who set ourselves before the word. We keep these words before us as things that light our path as we discern our callings, how we are called to live in the world around us. And if there are times where we are decentered by our passions, our desires, the world around us, the God-breathed word recenters us and anchors us in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And let's remember that the Word of God is a living Word, that we don't need to resuscitate it. We don't need to make it do anything. We are simply to open it and ask that what God may be speaking to us through it. With those reminders, let's come before God in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for these ancient words, these words that challenge us, that rebuke us, words that train us. May we be reminded how these words are living, that they're not only to be read or studied, but that they may speak to our hearts, that we may see through these words to who they direct us towards. From the encounter with you, may we be changed. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, light the way ahead that we may navigate the path in times that feel dark. Light the way ahead in the midst of fears and dangers that the world may uh, throw at us. Light the way ahead that we can make the next step confident that you are thoroughly equipping us for every good work. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.